In this episode of Locked On Capitals, we talk about why is John Gibson a great option for the Washington Capitals. We've talked about how the Capitals need to get their number one netminder. Why not John Gibson? Let's talk about that next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check that out. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we're going to talk about the number one netminding situation. Who should it be? And in this particular episode, we're going to talk about John Gibson. He is one of the big names that is out there. Uh, as we've talked about, the Washington Capitals really need to swing for the fences and, and go after that big name netminder. We know what we had in Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov, and what we had in them was inconsistency the entire season. So the Washington Capitals really need to address this situation before the start of the season coming ahead. So, you know, you could take a look at Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov and say, Dan, they got 100 points between the both of them, which isn't too bad. And touche, you're right, it's not too bad. But ultimately, the Washington Capitals are looking for an upgrade. They need that consistency. They need a 2018 Braden Holpe in net, someone that is just a, a reliable netminder that you know no matter what that he is going to be a good option when you need him. And between Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek, you never really had that, did we? Uh, if you take a look at them, um, both of them throughout this last season, inconsistency abounds. You know, you take a look at Ilya Samsonov and he would have a lights out game. And then the next minute, he, the next game, he'd fall flat on his face. So I think that ultimately the Washington Capitals will, in fact, go with Ilya Samsonov as the number two netminder. Uh, but then they have to go out and get that number one netminder. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about why I think that John Gibson would be an excellent option uh, for the Washington Capitals. If you take a look at his record um, and just kind of what he's done, he's been in the league for quite some time. The scouting report on him is he is the type of goalkeeper teammates believe in. He has good size by today's standards and is the type of goaltender who can carry a team by playing top-level hockey for 60-plus games every season, has helped himself by trimming down and improving his conditioning, can make a bad team competitive and a good one even better. And that is from the sports forecaster. That was his scouting report. That is the book on John Gibson. And if you take a look at him, I think that all in all, the stats on him look pretty good. Um, but, you know, ultimately, that's what it's going to be up to is the are the Anaheim Ducks going to be willing to part with him? Is John Gibson, in fact, going to want to come to the team? That's what we're going to talk about in this episode tonight. 
Uh, but I think that, you know, like I've said, I think the Capitals really need to go all in on him, you know, because otherwise I think that ultimately another team is going to end up scooping him up. You know, there is a lot of teams in the NHL right now that need help in net. The Washington Capitals, you know, they're not um, in their own on that regard. There are a lot of teams around the league that do need that help. And, you know, the Washington Capitals were lucky for so many years where they had, you know, Braden Holtby and Varlamov and, you know, Grubauer and et cetera. I mean, you can keep rolling back the clock, Neuwirth, and uh, just they've always had a really uh, pretty much great net minding. I know you could say Neuwirth was a little bit shaky at times, but I think that that is why the Washington Capitals need someone like a John Gibson on the team. And, uh, you know, the big question out there is, are they going to be able to, uh, you know, pay him what he is asked for? You know, because ultimately a players like that don't come cheap. So you got to think that the asking price uh, is going to be rather high. But I think that if you're going to make a big expenditure in one area, I think it would be a net minding. And I think that, you know, you should pay John Gibson what what he wants and what he, you know, needs. And I know it kind of flies in the face a little bit of this team wanting to get younger and faster. Um, you know, I, that's not necessarily, you know, true with a goaltender, but you want to get younger. Um, and is that really the case uh, with John Gibson? I know that, uh, you know, he is that veteran hand. Listen, at the number two level, uh, the backup goal, you have Sam Sonoff or Vanacek. You got the youth there. What you need is that experienced number one netminder to steady the ship and kind of turn this Capitals team around because, you know, they went on stretches where they played great, and then there were stretches that they played rather horribly, and a lot of that was because of netminding. So I think that getting this big-name netminder like a John Gibson uh, would really help. You know, there are a lot of other big names out there, um, but ultimately are the Caps going to be able to get someone like a Marc-Andre Fleury? Um, so, I mean, that, that's what it's going to come down to. I think that July 13th is going to be a big date uh, for the Washington Capitals. I think it's going to be a big date for the NHL in general. So, I mean, that's what I'm talking about is the Capitals, they have to be aggressive. I'm sure that Brian McClellan has been kicking the tires on a lot of these different netminders. But now is the time. Now is the time for them, for them to make that aggressive push and get that big number one netminder. Because uh, like I say, you know, a guy like that, if he doesn't re-sign uh, with Anaheim, then I think that ultimately, you know, another team is going to scoop him up. All right, so after the break here, we are going to continue to talk about Gibson and why would he be a good fit on this Washington Capitals team. But first, betonline.net is the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so welcome back to this edition of Locked On Capitals. In this episode, we're talking about John Gibson and where does he fit in with this Washington Capitals team? Um, you know, he is one of the guys out there, one of the big names that's available. Are the Capitals going to be able to get someone like him? Uh, I guess that remains to be seen. Um, you know, like we were talking about in the first segment there, the scouting report on him is that he's pretty rock solid. He can make um, an average team that much better. Uh, this was in Nova Caps. They talked about it. 
They said, according to the fourth period's David Peñota, the Washington Capitals and Toronto Maple Leafs are the suitors for Anaheim Ducks goaltender John Gibson, though Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman said he does not believe that the Maple Leafs are interested in him. Um, so, I mean, that is the question out there um, is that, you know, could they get him? Um, is Anaheim going to try to uh, retain his services or, you know, is he going to walk? And the biggest question then is, is uh, John Gibson, is he going to want to come to the Washington Capitals? I mean, we can want stuff all, the, you know, all the day long, but if he doesn't want to come here, it really doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, you take a look at a guy like this. Um, just in the 21-22 season, in uh, 56 games played, he was 18-26. and 26. Um, You know, so not a real sparkling record, but let's look at his career total in 378 games played. He has 166 and 148. Um, his goals against average is 2.67, and his save percentage is .915. So cumulatively, I got to say that he sounds pretty good on paper. I think the Washington Capitals could use someone like that. You know, when you take a look at him, he's a guy uh, that's been in the league for some time. His first season was with the Anaheim Ducks in the 13-14 season. Uh, so, you know, he has had some time. Uh, in the league. He's not, you know, necessarily the youngest netminder, but the Washington Capitals pipeline is stocked with young netminders. You take a look at Fukale, you take a look at Shepard, not to mention Vanacek or Sam Sonoff. So I think that they can, you know, splurge on this one and kind of make uh, the call to go with a bit of a more veteran netminder. I think that that would be the right decision to make, Um, you know, because like I say, if you go into next season with that same tandem, I think that it's not going to be so good. Prior to the trade deadline, Dave Pignotta reported on the NHL Network the Ducks have received inquiries about Gibson, who owns a 10-team no-trade list. Fast forward to June, and word starts to get out that Gibson is open to the possibility possibility of being dealt, though he has never requested a trade out of Anaheim, and he has said publicly he'd prefer to stay Still, multiple sources have indicated he understands a move is possible and the Ducks continue to listen. Um, So... Uh, then he talks uh, about here, what is the list? What is the, you know, how many teams does he not want to play on? Um, so if you just take a look um, that I don't believe I'm looking at it here, it doesn't look like the Washington Capitals are one of the teams that uh, he is opposed to coming to. So I think that, um, sorry, that page wasn't loading there, but I think that ultimately he would uh, end up coming to the Capitals. If they needed him, uh, Gibson will turn 29 on July 14th. He went 18, 26, and 11 with a point, a 904 save percentage, and a 3.19 goals against average, and a shutout in 56 games during the 21 22 season. At five on five, he posted a point, a 907 save percentage, a 2.94 goals against average, and 11.93 goals saved above average, a 0.834 high danger save percentage, a 1.48 high danger goals against, and a 3.11 high danger goals saved above average. In addition, Gibson posted a 0.894 save percentage on the penalty kill. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. Just taking a look at that, that is quite a resume. That is quite a hockey card. If you take a look at the back of his hockey card, those stats are quite glimmering, I got to say. And, uh, you know, every time I bring up Gibson or someone like that, people will point out his flaws. And I get it. He's not perfect, but there are very few um, perfect netminders out there. If you want to take a look at Vasilevsky, for example, got to say, he didn't have a real great postseason, and he was revered as one of the best 
netminders in the NHL. So then you take a look at Shesterkin, another one who was revered as one of the best in the NHL. So you see that all these netminders and players in general, they, they're not perfect all the time. So when you bring up a player like a John Gibson um, or a Campbell or, um, you know, just all the other big names that are out there that are available in net, Freddie Anderson, they all have their stretches of problems. But, you know, you got to look cumulatively, take a look at the back of Gibson's hockey card and add up the points, add up his percentage. Take a look at what the scouting report is on him. Take a look at how he's played for the Ducks. Why has he played on the Ducks for so long? You know, you got to take a look at some of the things that aren't you know, a save percentage or wins and losses. You got to take a look at the Ducks. Why, if why have they tried to retain his services for so long? If he was that bad of a netminder, you really got to think that the Ducks would have moved on from him. I would sure say that that is the case. And uh, you know, just taking a look cumulatively, like I say, his his record is quite uh, impressive. In 378 career NHL games, all with Anaheim, Gibson, who has five seasons left on a contract that counts for $6.4 million against the NHL salary cap, has gone 166, 148, and 51 with a .915 save percentage, a 2.67 goals against average, and 23 shutouts. He won the Jennings Award with Freddie Anderson in 15-16 when the two combined to allow the fewest goals against in the league. So again, just to keep kind of going on here, this is a great story that they covered in Nova Caps and they talk about and they highlighted John Gibson. And, you know, that's a name that's been floated out there for quite some time. And, uh, you know, I think that there is some kind of momentum building here. Ultimately, do I think that the Capitals will pick up someone like a John Gibson? I don't know. I, I really can't say that I think that that is going to be a thing. Um, I would like to think that they are pursuing someone of that caliber aggressively. You know, like I talked about, we saw what happened with Vanacek and Samsonov this past season. We do not want a repeat of that next year. So if you can get that big veteran netminder like a John Gibson, that is definitely in your best interest. The Capitals are in the market for a goalie after Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek both had opportunities to take the number one job during the past two seasons, but neither could run with it permanently. Samsonov, 24, finished the 21-22 season with a 23-12-5 record and a .896 save percentage and a .30, or excuse me, a 3.02 goals against average and three shutouts after an 11-1-1 start where he posted a .916 save percentage, a 2.42 goals against average in three shutouts. So that's what I'm talking about. You take a look at Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek, and listen to me, I'm not trying to say either one of those netminders is horrible. They're not horrible netminders, but, you know, this was the proving ground for this, uh, for these, uh, this goalie tandem. They had their opportunity. Vanacek and Samsonov had their chance to grab a hold of that number one netminding job, and they didn't do it. Based on inconsistency, Peter Laviolette always had to kind of have that roulette wheel turning of which netminder was going to start this night, which one was going to start that night. And it was really kind of hard to gauge because at times, Samsonov and Vanacek were lights out. They played excellent. But uh, you know what you need in the hallmark of a great netminder is consistency, stringing together multiple wins. You know, there's a lot of goalies that can catch fire and win, you know, three or four games. But what you need it is throughout, you know, someone more recently, like I'm going to talk about, like a Braden Holpe. That is who they need on this team or a Philip Grubauer when he was on top of his game. You know, I think that ultimately uh, the Capitals may have made a mistake uh, letting go of Grubauer and uh, Braden Holpe or, you know, they 
got away from them. Um, but ultimately, I think that, you know, the capital should have either protected uh, Grubauer or they should have found a way to move something around where they could have kept uh, one of them. I, it, the fact that they lost both of them was really unfortunate. I know there was the expansion draft and all that kind of stuff going on, but um, that ultimately didn't really factor in with the Capitals or those two players. Vanacek was the one that the Capitals lost. Um, and you know, you got to think back on that. That wasn't that long ago that the Capitals fans were all up in arms that they lost uh, Vitek Vanacek. But, um, you know, you think that ultimately looking back on it, that maybe did they make the right decision uh, to um, protect Vanacek? I don't know. I mean, like I say, he, neither Vanacek or Samsonov are horrible goalies, but ultimately they don't. They don't have it. They don't have that. I'm the number one netminder. I'm going to take control of this net. And that is what the Washington Capitals are looking for. All right. So after the break here, we are going to continue to talk about John Gibson. And is he a good fit on this Washington Capitals team? We'll talk about that next. All right, welcome back to this edition of Locked On Capitals. As we talk about, is John Gibson a good fit on this Washington Capitals team? Vanacek, 25, went 20, 12, and 6 with a .908 save percentage, a 2.67 goals against average, tied for 17th in the NHL in four shutouts, including a stretch where he went 11, 7, and 4 with a .935 save percentage, which was third, and a 1.96 goals against average in three shutouts, tied for the league lead uh, from December 16th to March 6th. And that's what I'm talking about is there was times that, you know, Vanacek um, had the opportunity to take that number one job. And there was a lot of times that people thought he was the number one. But that's, again, why you need someone like Gibson who has the pedigree and uh, just the resume to prove that I have this. Vanacek entered the postseason as the Capitals' number one in net, but coughed it up after posting a 0.86 or excuse me a 0.863 save percentage and a 4.21 goals against average in the first five periods of the team's first round against the Florida Panthers before Samsonov took the job again and never looked back Samsonov posted a 0.912 save percentage and a 2.97 goals against <clears throat> excuse me so you know taking a look and giving credit where credit's due Samsonov in this example, in the postseason, you know, he kept the Capitals in it. Um, I don't think that, uh, you know, anyone really faults Samsonov for the Capitals making an early exit. I think that it was just a, um, a combination of failures that led to that. The Capitals have $23.345 million in salary cap space with right wing Marcus Johansson, center Johan Larson, and defenseman Justin Schultz, defenseman Michael Kempany, defenseman Michael Irwin, and Vanacek, in addition to Samsonov, both who are RFAs up for contract. One goal is expected to be traded, while the other will likely be paired with the veteran to run as the team's tandem. And I do think that that is ultimately what's going to happen. And that was a great uh, job covering that and just talking about Gibson and Nova Caps, um, that they talked about that. Um, but that's what I'm talking about is the Capitals need to go out. And I think that it's it, it get that big name netminder. And I think that it might be sooner than we think. I don't necessarily think, you know, that this is going to drag on and this is going to take until the beginning of next season. I think that, you know, certain things are going to happen on July 13th. Um, um, and I think that the netminder will probably be one of them. Uh, but ultimately I think that, you know, just taking a look, like I said, at his total record, um, I do think that he would be a good fit on this Washington Capitals team. 
Um, but you know, that's what I'm saying. Are they going to pay him the money that he wants? Um, that remains to be seen. I, I just, I don't necessarily think that, um, they have to to spend and, and pinch pennies when it comes to someone like John Gibson. Uh, John Gibson, prior to the trade deadline, they were talking about how they have received multiple inquiries um, on uh, John Gibson. And, you know, he's at age 28 and a cap hit of $6.4 million. Um, I think that the Capitals have to find a way to fit him in. They have to find a way, you know, uh, they might have to give up a player. I mean, as I talked about there, they do have room under the cap. Um, and if they use it wisely, they can go out and they can pick up that big name netminder out there. But there's other situations that need to be addressed. Uh, as we talked about, the left-hand side of the defense has been a little bit weak um, for the Washington Capitals. Plus, you know, Alexiev was slated to be in there. Um, Lucas Johansson was slated to be in there. But what do we know about Alexiev? Alexiev is going to be out four to five months. So there is, a, you know, a lot of moving parts on this Washington Capitals team. I think it's kind of an exciting time of year to see how everything shakes out. Um, you know, and I think there's going to be some surprises and, you know, there's probably going to be some fans that are happy, some that are going to be sad. Um, you know, there's been some big names linked to this Washington Capitals team, Evgeny Malkin. Uh, you know, I think that there is a little bit of traction out there and people are starting to connect the dots. Ultimately, do I think it'll happen? I really don't know, but, you know, you could see, you know, theoretically uh, where he could fit in on this team. You could see him. Uh, playing in the spot of uh, Nick Backstrom, you know, in the center position. They need, that's a position that needs to be addressed. I'm not so sure that the Washington Capitals are ready to go all in on having a Connor McMichael um, filling the role of a Nick Backstrom. Those are some big shoes to fill. And, uh, you know, Connor McMichael is on his way, but ultimately I don't know if he's ready to take on that big of a responsibility. Uh, so those are some questions that need to be answered. If you also take into consideration Lars Eller, you know, where does he fit? Does, does he come back to the Washington Capitals um, or do they decide to move on from Lars Eller? You know, I think that before a lot of these injuries, you know, especially the Nick Backstrom, when we found out the full scope of how long he's going to be out in the severity of his injury, I think that maybe Lars Eller was a little bit more expendable at that point, but Given the fact that Tom Wilson, it won't be back until December. And if you take a look at Nick Backstrom, who's going to miss a good chunk of next season or the entire season, I guess we really don't know. The Capitals really kind of have to, to weigh and see uh, what players they want to keep. I think that some players that we thought were sure uh, players to be, you know, hitting the exit, maybe not. Maybe there is a spot for Lars Eller, at least until they figure out What's going on with Wilson? What's going on with Baxter? Because the last thing the Capitals need is chaos to start the next season. And it's kind of fixing to be a, a bit chaotic when you take a look at Tom Wilson, who brings so many uh, big things to the game. Some are intangible. Some are more easy and finite to define. He's a big physical player. He scores a lot of goals, but he's also finishing his checking and, and grinding it out in the corner. Um, so he is not a player that you're just going to be able to plug and play. You know, is it a Beck Malenstein? Is it a Leeson that's going to fill in for a Tom Wilson? It, it's not a real easy answer. These are AHL players and they're not uh, proven commodities. We ultimately don't know who's going to fill in for those spots. But the number one thing that the Capitals have to address before the start of next season, number one, is that number one netminder. You know, I've talked about this all postseason. And I just hope that they get that big name netminder. I don't want it to be this lackluster, 
oh, you got this guy. Hmm. Well, I guess that's better because the last thing you want to do is make change for change sake. What you want to do is you want an improvement. You don't want to go and, and uh, you know, like if you remember uh, the trade deadline last year or last uh, spring when they said, and we picked up Marcus Johansson and Johan Larson and you're like, Yay, great. You know, it wasn't uh, a move that really kind of grabbed your attention and, you know, evoked this confidence in this Washington Capitals team. So the last thing I want to have the Capitals do is to just pick up this, you know, eh, I guess he's an okay goalie, this lackluster move. I want them to swing for the fences and get that big name netminder, you know, a John Gibson out there. You know, there's a, you know, I've heard Freddie Anderson, I've heard Campbell. There's so many big names out there. Um, um, Huso, that's another big one that's out there. So in any case, uh, you know, Campbell's a little bit more of a wild card out there, but if the Capitals picked up someone like a Huso or if they picked up someone like a John Gibson, A+, I think those are great, are both great upgrades in the net mining position. And then I think the Capitals are going to feel a lot more comfortable into going into next season uh, because, you know, the goalie uh, has a lot of confidence. He creates confidence in the team because if he's out there and he's on top of his game, you know, that goes downhill. If you got a shaky netminder, you know, th- all of a sudden the defenseman in front of you, they don't feel so sure, you know, if, and you can see that in hockey all the time where they make a goalie change and then all of a sudden it's the same other players on the ice, but all of a sudden they're playing better now because there's a different goalie on the ice. So a lot of it starts with a goalie and it trickles its way down. If you have consistency and you have a netminder that's on top of his game, I think you know that that will translate into a more confident team on the ice and that will translate into more wins and that will translate into higher standings. And uh, that's what the Washington Capitals want. They want to make the playoffs and they want to make it past the first round. You know, I'm sick of hearing the first round and an exit. You know, they did it in 2018. But ultimately, I think that they will do the right thing and they will pick up that big name netminder. Who it is really remains to be seen. All right. Once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals. This is the summer, and it's kind of fun, isn't it, to talk about what players could come to this team, especially netminding. Um, I do think they'll make that big move, uh, but as we've talked about this summer, there's a lot of players that could come here. You know, you hear a Johnny Goudreau, you hear a Nazem Kadri. None of those players are married to the team that they're on right now. They're open to the possibility of moving on. So I think that the Washington Capitals serve just as good a shot as any to land one of these big players. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, and I'll talk to you again next time.